What is up, church? How we doing, everybody? Man, that was, that was encouraging right there. Um, <laughs> I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who's watching online and, of course, everybody who's over at the South Side South Campus, everybody who's watching this while you're on a treadmill or a rowing machine or on a bougie Peloton. We love you. And the best way that we can communicate that we love you is by clapping for you. So come on, everybody everywhere, would you put your hands together and just welcome everybody who's watching? Now, welcome uh, to church and welcome to 2021, everybody. Happy New Year. Aren't you glad it's not 2020 anymore? Come on, somebody. I mean, I, we, we, were, we were looking forward to this series for months. It was like, okay, what do we all need at the end of this crazy year? And we need a reset, you know, because we were thinking like, man, what, what do you need when, when you just feel like, oh, we just need to scrap that, start over, just, 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 just redo that. Have you ever been like playing sports and, you know, it's like you have to, oh, let's do a redo. Or uh, have you ever been like in a fundraising golf tournament and you buy these little tickets at the beginning of the golf tournament uh, so that you can redo your shot in case you mess up? They call them mulligans. Have you ever been like ever experienced that? I, I, I max out the mulligan purchase. That, I'm going to give me as many as I possibly can because <laughs> I'm just like, I'm going to, uh, yep, give me another one. You know, that's, that, I'm all about that. That's kind of what we were thinking about this series. Or like if your apps aren't working right on your phone, have you been in that moment where you're like, man, things are bugging out. You need to turn it off, turn it back on. Usually that works. But if it doesn't, you need to reset. You need to do a hard reset. That's what I kind of feel like all of us need, right? We need like a hard Reset. We need to redo 2020. Like, let's just like scrap that. Let's start over and uh, let's move on to something new. And, uh, and, and I was thinking about this classic 90s movie. Maybe some of you remember it, but it, it, it was made me think about this Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. Anybody? Come on, just raise your hand at both campuses if you've ever heard of that or seen it. Kind of a classic movie. Um, basically, if you never saw it, the premise of the movie was this guy wakes up every day to the same day, and it's Groundhog Day. And so he wakes up, the same songs playing on the radio, he meets the same people, the weather's the same, the food's the same, everything happens exactly the same. And if you've never watched a movie before, when you're watching it for the first time, you're like, man, I never would have thought how much of a nightmare that would be until I'm actually seeing it played out. Like having the same thing happen over and over and over and over again is really a nightmare. And uh, so the way he gets out of it is by anticipating the day's events and, and by doing good things for people and changing himself. And so, and then he meets his true love and it, and it ends real happy. Everybody say, aw. So it's a you know, Hollywood ending, and it's really, really great. But I was thinking about uh, that idea in 2020, and I thought, man, like living the same day again and again is really messed up. But how many of you know it would be really messed up if we had to do 2020 all over again? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine like just like resetting? It's like, oh, man, no, it's the same year, the same problems, the same things. Like all of it just comes and hits us the same some of you are like, man, Scott, don't even talk like that. Like that literally just gives me crawls thinking about it, you know? Uh, it's just too painful. Uh, my my three-year-old daughter, she's been saying this lately when my boys do something really gross. She goes, that's disgusting. That's disgusting. That would be disgusting to live 2020 all over again. Can I get an amen? But here I want to present to you 
an even more disgusting scenario than that. Because, honest question, moment of truth. How many of you would say there was something last year you did? Something last year you said, an action you had, a mindset, a habit that you regret and wish you could do over. Come on, just at both locations, just raise your hand. Say, okay, so yeah, most of us would say there was probably something we did we weren't real proud of. There was maybe a way we lived that we weren't real proud of. Here's the scenario I want to present to you. What's actually worse than doing 2020 all over again is doing 2021 with 2020's mindset. And that's what I want to talk about because, because let's, let's, let's pray and let's suppose that this year is better on every level. Let's pray the pandemic gets better, like ASAP. Let's pray the economy flourishes. Let's pray social distancing get, uh, you know, goes away. Let's pray there's enough toilet paper for everybody in the country all at the same time. <laughs> Let's pray for that. Let's pray 2021 is better than 2020. But you know what? 2021 being better means nothing if we still live like we're in 2020. And that's what I want to talk about because what we really need is more than a calendar flip, we need a changing of the heart. We need a reset of the heart. Uh, we need to have a Groundhog Day revolution of the heart. We need something new. And here's the good thing about it. God promises us new in the Bible. Lamentations chapter 3 says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. All right, now when I get to the word new, say it with me, okay? So they are new every morning. God does new. Every day there's a chance for something new in God. All right, now when I say new, get to the, get, when I read news, you say new with me, all right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Jesus uh, in Revelation 21.5, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Jesus brings new. What God does is bring new. That's the business he's in. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the thing that he does consistently. So if you're looking for new and you've come to church, you're in the right place. You're listening to this message. You're watching online. You're doing the right thing. You're in the right place. But let me just say this, it's not automatic. Just because you're watching, just because you're listening, just because you're here, it's not automatic. It doesn't happen when you just walk through the doors or when you stand through a worship service or even just when you open your Bible. It's not automatic because the new that we really are looking for, the reset all of us want, isn't going to happen because the calendar changes. It's going to happen when our heart changes. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Reset happens when we center our hearts on Christ. The real reset that we're looking for, the reset that you and I want, we want to be different. We want 2021 to be different. And it will be different if we center our hearts on Jesus right here and right now in this moment. That's a great place for an amen, hallelujah, keep going. Anything like that, you can just shout me down. Uh, but I want to I talk about that, but just a little bit. What are you centered on? What are you centered on? I want to ask that question, hopefully answer that question today. But before we do, I want to tell you just a little bit about um, experience I had. 
right after Thanksgiving, got an early Christmas present um, from my parents. I got a Traeger smoker. And all the guys said, <laughs> I, guess, I mean, hey, all, I guess the girls could say, <laughs> glorious. If you're not familiar with the Traeger smoker, and I'm very new to all of this, I'm very new to all of this, but it's, it's, a, it's a pellet smoker that uses wood pellets to, to put the, infuse a wood taste into everything that you eat. And, and I am, uh, and so my dad was like, he came, visited one time and he's like, hey, you live in Kansas City. I think you have a responsibility to learn how to barbecue. And I said, dad, I couldn't agree with you more. And so, so they got the smoker for me, and so I have just been, I've been on this journey of learning how to smoke meats, and it's, it's amazing. Now, here's what I learned real quick. Like, there's this whole section of Price Chopper that I did not even know about. Like, there's a, there's a whole section. There's a whole section of barbecue spices and accessories and different things. I mean, I just walked by this aisle because I didn't really need anything, but now that I am a meat smoker. I, I frequent this aisle. I frequent this aisle. And man, you go down, it's overwhelming. There's all kinds of different seasonings and spices and there's sweet spice and, and mega spice and hot spice and regular spice and chicken spice and beef spice. I mean, it's amazing. It's all over. I mean, it's just, it's, it's awesome. So uh, I opened up my trusty dusty Traeger app and uh, found a recipe for wings. Got some wings from Price uh, Chopper and then, and then went, got some seasoning and I put it together and I put it on the grill and was smoking after church one day and, and then uh, I left it on the counter and uh, Jen came into the counter. I, I hadn't tried it yet, but they looked good and they smelled good. And so Jen came in and she, she took a bite and she, it was literally like right out of one of those morning uh, talk shows where they taste food and they act like they really like it. And we're like, mmm, 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 mmm. Like she did that, but she meant it. Like she was like, Scott, this is the best food I've ever had in my life. Literally, she said that. She goes, this is the best thing I've ever tasted in my life. And I said, You're darn right it is. What can I say? The Lord is good and you married well. You're welcome. And but so I mean, but literally I was like, oh now I'm motivated. You know, like now I'm like, I'm gonna be studying, I'm gonna be looking stuff up. And and so uh, my day off, I watched three hours of diners, drive-ins, and dives <laughs> on the food channel. And Jen came in, and she's like, are you still watching this? And I was like, I am. And I'm loving every minute of it. I'm doing research. <laughs> I'm making masterpieces here. And, and the reason I tell you that is because is I really feel like I'm, like, learning how food is supposed to taste. Like, for the first time, I'm not settling for bland. I want it fused. I want it some hickory up in there. I want some mesquite up in my meat. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I want that thing well seasoned. Not too much, but just enough where you go. Mm. And the reason I tell you that is because is I really believe that's what faith is supposed to be like. In fact, I can prove it to you because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says in, in Psalm 34, taste and see that barbecue, wait, no, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Literally, it's saying, man, when you taste God, how God is supposed to be tasted, when you really experience faith, when you trust God, when you center your heart on God, do you know what your response is? Your response should be like, man, that's what this thing is supposed to be like. That's what this life is supposed to taste like. And so I want to encourage us because it's all going to happen when we center our hearts on God. And here's the beauty of this. And I want to challenge us with this idea. That's God's will for our life no matter what is happening around us. That's God's will for our life no matter what is happening to us. No matter what our circumstances might be, do you know what God wants us to still have that freshness, that seasoning, that deliciousness that comes from really knowing who he is and having him work in our lives? That's what God wants for us, to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so as we begin this year, I want to say, you know what? I pray. I pray 2021 is better than 2020. I pray that it is. I hope that it is. I'm believing that it is. But even if it isn't, it is going to be better for me and my relationship with God. Because I'm going to have a reset of my heart. And so in order to do that, I just want to take the, the remaining moments we have today. And I hope to inspire us with a guy who really lived this out in the Old Testament. In fact, he lived it so much that God would say that he was a man after God's own heart as King David. I want to look at the life of King David for a little bit because he's going to show us how to actually live this out, how, how to actually apply this. And what I want to do is I want to look at when, when he gets anointed, when God goes to pick him, God is picking David because he's not picking Saul anymore. Saul was the king, and Saul had turned away from God, and, and God says, no, I want, I want David and you see it in 1 Samuel chapter 16, why he picks David. And I want to read just a couple of verses, and we're going to walk away better. Uh, and if you're ready to do that, say, I am. All right, 1 Samuel 16 says this. When they arrived, Samuel, who was the prophet, so he was the one God was speaking to, was working in and, and, and leading to pick this guy David, saw Eliab, who was the oldest brother in the family, the tallest the oldest, he was handsome, together, the most experienced. And Samuel the prophet says, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Surely this is the guy who's got it all together. He's the most experienced. He's got the most wisdom. He's the tallest. He's handsome. Surely this is the one that God wants to do something great in. But watch this. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If you're, if you're able to underline it in your Bible or on your phone, underline that last phrase. The Lord looks at the heart. What, what drew God to David was not his ability to sling a stone with a slingshot, was not his, his outward appearance, was not the family that he was from, it was his heart. And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna do a little bit of a, a dissection, if you will, of David's heart. What, what was in David's heart that made God say, I want 
that on my team. And, and so we're going to do that. And as we do that, we will have a reset of the heart. And it's three things that I think that are very simple, very, very simple, but very powerful. And if you and I will give our focus to them this year, I promise you this, 2021 will look better than 2020. All right, so the first thing is this. Number one, do what God asks you to do. Number two, admit when you're wrong. And number three, spend time with God. These are so elemental. These are so basic. These are very gospel-esque, but I want to break down these with us together, and I want to show you how important these are. And if you and I will do this together, I promise you this, 2021 is going to look better than 2020. Before we do, I want you to turn and ask three people, say, hey, are you ready for a reset? Because I'm ready for a reset. Come on, ask three people if they're ready for a reset. Okay, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. First thing is this. We develop a heart for God when we do what God asks us to do. Man, this is, this is Christianity 101, but man, this is, this is where we struggle, and this is where we miss out. And I want to show you how Saul should have done this, but he didn't do this. And because he didn't do this, he missed out on it. Look, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 15. You see that God comes to Samuel, the prophet, and says, hey, you know what? Uh, you've got some stuff that, 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 that you're not doing that I asked you to do. Look, 1 Samuel chapter 15 says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Now, if you're new to this story, maybe this is just hitting you fresh, what you need to understand is that God had asked Saul to do some very specific things. God was bringing them into the promised land. God was bringing them into a newness. God was bringing them into a reset. But he said there's some stuff you've got to get rid of in order for you to experience all that I have for you. And he's like, I need you to take care of all of these Amalekites. I need you to destroy them completely because if you don't, they will come back and poison your spirit. And that, that's how it is a lot of times with, with life. There's stuff in our lives that if we don't get rid of completely, will poison our spirit and keep us from God. And so he's like, hey, I need you to get rid of all of this. And every last bit of the Amalekites, I need you to get rid of. Everything. Their sheep, their goats, their cattle. And I need you to barbecue it. No, that's not in the scripture. I'm just thinking about barbecue. But, but what happened is, is Saul didn't do all of it. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't get rid of everything. He kept back some of the best for himself, the sheep. And so Samuel shows up. God's like, hey, Saul didn't do what I told him to do. And Samuel shows up. And when Saul comes out to greet him, He's like, watch this, in verse 13. He says, oh, the Lord bless you. It's like when you get caught when you did something wrong. This is Saul right now. Hey, the Lord bless you. I, I've carried out the Lord's instructions. And then Samuel's like, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? He goes, all I hear is, bang, bang. That's actually an improvement from the last service, I think. Actually, that's... He goes, what is the lowing of cattle that I hear? What is this? That was pretty good, though. That actually was pretty good. Um, he's like, he goes, you say you did what, I, what God asked you to do, but I hear these sheep. I hear the cows. I hear them. 
And then Saul responds with this, and this tells us so much about where his heart was. He says, well, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. I mean, they they, it was them. It wasn't me. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. I love that phrase. We totally, like we totally, we totally destroyed, we totally did what God told us to do. We we totally destroyed the rest. It's like when you ask your kids to clean the room and then like, you're like, yeah, we, did you clean your room? Yeah, we totally, totally cleaned. No, you just put everything in a pile and pushed it in the corner. That's, that's, that's Saul. He's saying, I totally did it. Do you know what Saul didn't do? Totally what God asked him to do. He was picking and choosing. He was, he's like, yeah, I'll do this, but I won't do that. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this part of my life, but I won't give you all of my life. We do this sometimes. I'll give you my church time, but I'm not going to give you my hobbies. I'll give you my devotions, but I won't give you my internet viewing. I'll give you part of my finances, but I won't give you all of my finances. I'll give you this relationship, but not this relationship. I'll live for you here, but I won't live for you there. We negotiate, don't we? We negotiate. We, we make deals. We got, I'll do this, but I won't do that. And you know what? Here's the, t- here's the thing. Every time we negotiate with God, we miss out on God. When we negotiate, we say, oh, I'll do these different things, and God, you can have this part, but not everything. We actually miss out on God. We actually miss out on the reset that God wants to bring to us. All of the blessing, all of the newness, all of the fulfillment, all of the joy and grace. God wants to bring that stuff. And when we start picking and choosing, man, that's when we miss out. And you know why? I, I think it's interesting because I think we think, man, I can't trust God. I can't trust God because I, I, if I give him everything, I might lose on this deal. That's what Saul was thinking. But the reality is exactly the opposite was true. When we trust God with every aspect of our life, it doesn't go worse for us. It goes better for us. When we do everything that God asks us to do and don't do everything God asks us not to do, there's a blessing there. That's where the fullness is. That's where the strength is. That's where we line ourselves up with what God has for us, and it goes better for us. Here's the reality. The more we decide to follow God in every area of our life, the stronger every area of our life will be. That's a great place for an amen, somebody. It's true. Listen, do you want him to be Lord? Do you want him to be king? Because that's when you get everything. And and in order for him to be Lord and to be king, he needs to be Lord and to be king. That's where the fulfillment comes. That's where the blessing comes. Saul thought he knew better than God. He justified his disobedience. And I want to encourage you as you begin 2021 to not make that same mistake. Don't think you know better than God. Don't think justifying 
the way you do what you do and what you do. Don't, don't justify it before the Lord. Say, God, I'm gonna trust you. And you know what? This is what we see in David's life. This is where we look at David's heart. Because David, he didn't do that. And, and you can see it because David wanted to build a temple for God. So he, he went out to do this temple. He wanted to like build, I wanna build God this big temple. In fact, Solomon's temple is actually, truly, David's temple. David designed it. David got all the materials ready for it. It was David's idea. David was going to do it, but God said no. And it's interesting because David's this type A. He's a warrior. He's the king. How many know type A warrior king types don't take no real well? Do you know any of those? Married to anyone? Don't raise your hand. Um, they, they don't like being told no, especially after they've told everybody, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this great thing. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to build this great temple. And, man, whew, it's going to be amazing. Wait till you see it. It's going to be huge. The whole world's going to talk about David's temple. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be pretty amazing. I just can't wait to get started on that. And then, he, and then he goes to God, and God's like, actually, you're not. You're not going to build it. Look, look at this in First Chronicles chapter 28. King David rose to his feet and said, listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It was going to be great. We're all going to worship together. We're going to sing songs. We're going to read scriptures. I made plans to build it, verse 3, but God said to me, you are not to build a house for my name because you are a warrior and have shed blood. God said, actually, David, this isn't for you. I'm not going to let you do it. Now, here's what David could have done. David could have built it. He had the resources, he had the manpower, he had the desire, but he said, God, if you're telling me not to do this, then I'm not going to do it. If you're telling me not to go this way, then I'm not going to go this way. If you're telling me you have something different for me, then I am going to trust you because I'm not living for me, I'm living for you. There's something about David that understood what all of this is about. It's not about our way, it's about God's way. And I want to ask you, as you begin 2021, who are you living for? Who are you living for? Are you living for you? Are you setting your goals? Are you making your resolutions? Are you moving forward with your strength, your ability? Are you saying, you know what, God? I'm gonna do everything that you ask me to do and the things that you're not asking me to do, I'm gonna give those things up because I'm living for you. I wanna ask you, are there some things that you know you gotta stop doing in 2021 that are literally robbing life from you? God's asked you to destroy it. He's asked you to give it up, and God's like, listen, if you'll do this, I'll bless you, but if you keep doing this, it's going to go bad for you. Are there things in your life that you got to say, I'm going to do business with God here and now as I begin this year? Are there some things that God's asking you to do? Maybe he's asking you to step forward in faith. Maybe he's asking you to get involved, get in a life group. Maybe he's asking you to give more generously. Are there things that God's asking you to do? I'm telling you, as you begin 2021, whatever God's asking you to do, do. And whatever he's asking you not to do, don't. Because it's God's heart to bless you. And as you do those things, you develop a heart for God.
All right, second thing, we develop a heart for God when we admit that we're wrong. When we admit that we're wrong. Every time we apologize to God or somebody else that we need to, we develop a heart for God. Now here, we'll just do a little exercise, everybody together. Everybody repeat after me. Say I. Come on, everybody say I. Strong, I mean, this whole room over here, I need everybody participating. Everybody say I. There we go. Was wrong. I was freeing. That was hard. Now it's going to get real, real. Turn to the person next to you. Okay, come on, turn to the person next to you. Say, I was wrong. Marriages just got healed right there in Jesus' name. Relationships just got better. Families just got better. (laughs) Isn't it hard to say, I was wrong? You ever notice how hard it is to say, I was wrong? Especially in the heat of the moment. You're not seeing eye to eye. There's a disagreement, argument, fight, whatever you want to call it. It's hard to say I was wrong. It's hard to admit that. And yet that is the very thing that cultivates a heart for God. See, this happens at salvation. So like anybody who, who, who like responds to Jesus, like these are like gospel things. Like, you have to follow God. You have to turn from yourself. Like, this is the gospel. But this isn't just a salvation thing. This is a sanctification thing. This isn't a one-time thing. This is a daily thing. If we're, honestly, if we're not repenting regularly, then we're not aware of how messed up we are. Because we're all messed up. We're all messed up. You're messed up. The person sitting next to you is messed up. You're like, I've been telling them that for weeks. Let me just get this all out, of the, out in the open. We're all messed up. We've all got a lot of things. We're all works in progress. None of us are perfect. So we're going to fall short of the glory of God, not just once, but continually. When Paul talks about missing the mark like that, he says we all fall short. We all actively continue to fall short. And so the way that we do something about that and develop a heart for God is admitting when we're wrong and turning from that. It's so simple, but man, we've got to get better at it. And you can see Saul doesn't do this well. When Samuel confronts him about the whole sheep deal, watch how Saul replies. Uh, 1 Samuel 15, Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. He's like, yeah, 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 I'm sorry, but hey, will you make sure that everybody thinks really good of me about this? What's he most concerned about? Well, everybody else thinks, isn't he? Yeah, and himself. Really, what it comes down to. Who is he really focused on? Not God. And it's interesting because it doesn't get better for him. It maybe could have gotten better for him. Maybe God would say, man, I I respect you being broken and opening your heart before me. I'm going to honor that. But he doesn't. But David responds differently. Now, again, if you're new to the Bible, you're new to his story. David's story, man, He didn't just keep some sheep back. He did way worse than that. He slept with his 
friend's wife, got her pregnant, and then when she got pregnant, killed his friend. I mean, that's messed up. And the prophet comes to confront him, and watch how David responds. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Period. No buts. It's like, I messed up. I'm sorry. I've messed up. He owns it. He takes responsibility. In fact, Psalm 51 is our record of David's prayer about this moment. David goes and he writes the psalm about this moment. Watch this. This is amazing. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For my, my, I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. And you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight. He's owning it. He's sorry. He's broken. Can I tell you, more healing, more growth, more advancement, more movement will happen in our lives when we approach our lives like that. Say, God, I'm so sorry. That attitude, the way I treated my spouse, the way I treated my kids, the way I acted at work, the way I posted online, God, I'm sorry about that. That didn't honor you. That's not reflective of what you want to do. I want to have a reset of my heart. And that happens when we approach our relationship with God like this. Say, God, have it all. Every part of me, Lord, I just dedicate it to you. And when we do, there is blessing there. First John says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you know God does not, God doesn't convict you or bring things to light so that he can, that you feel terrible and you want to give up? No. He wants to clean that stuff out. He wants to reset you. He wants to bring something new so that you experience life and forgiveness and healing and grace. God is good, and he wants to be good to you. But you got to get real with him. you got to say, I'm sorry for the way I acted. I turn from that, or it will not get better. Here's what's, here's what's so fascinating, church. When you look at the, at the kings of Israel, they don't make progress. A lot of them, have they fall into the same trap that David fell into. They fall into sin. But you know what? They keep going in their sin. There was something about David that turned his heart. There was something about David that made him get right with God. Do you know what it is? Do you know where it came from? Do you know where his strength came from? It's the third thing. We develop a heart for God when we spend time with God. I really believe this, and I'm going to prove it to you. Because some of, the best, some of the best psalms that we have in the Bible are from David, and they're from the early part of his life when he was a shepherd watching sheep. That was his job in the family. Look after the sheep. Now, I could be just because I'm from Detroit. I'm from a city. It could be because we live in an era, but I don't know about you, but watching sheep week after week does not sound like a good time to me. Like being out, I mean, I love nature, but I also love my Starbucks. Come on, somebody. 
I like people. I like talking to people. It would be punishment to send me out by myself and watching sheep for weeks. But David didn't look at it as punishment. He looked at it as an opportunity to grow his relationship. And so while he's out there watching sheep, learning how to pastor, actually, while he's out there doing it, do you know what he's doing? He's talking to God. He's praying to God. He's worshiping God. He's developing this authentic, genuine, deep connection with God that, that evidences itself in some of the greatest psalms in all of the Bible. Psalm 8, watch this, says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Do you know how old David is when he's writing this? He's a boy, 12, 13. This is before Goliath. He says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? He's saying, God, wow. Whoo, look at how great you are. I'm out here just looking at these stars. I'm not bored. I'm worshiping. I'm spending time. I'm thinking about how big you are, how small I am. And it's changing him. And it's developing a heart for God. Uh, you can see in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Wow. This guy has some perspective, y'all. This guy has a relationship. He's got some depth. Why? Because he's spending a lot of time with God. But watch Psalm 19 at the end. Watch this. He says, but who can discern their own errors? Forgive me my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Man, that's so powerful. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Do you know what I think that was? Do you know what I think that was? That was a little seed plant for Psalm 51. That was a little foundation that he laid in his heart. He's praying, God, if, if there's anything un, unholy in me, if there's anything wrong with me, God, get it out so I can be right with you. So that when he messed up royally, he didn't go on like all the other kings. He didn't just keep going on in his sin. There was something that he had laid as a foundation, spending time with God, that as he moved forward, he was like, oh, I'm sorry. God, make me right. Do you see that? Do you see that? How powerful it is to just spend time with God. It will change you. It will shape you. And then maybe the best psalm of all. Again, this is all before Goliath. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though I walk through the darkest year that I can remember, even though I walk through the cancer diagnosis, even though I walk through the pain, the separation, 
the relational strife, the job situation, the financial difficulty, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Who writes Stuff like that. Somebody who spent a lot of time with God and that shaped his life so that when he would go and face Goliath, so that when he would go and mess up with Bathsheba, it, though that moment didn't derail him, but it brought him back. This is, this is what I pray for our church, that we have a reset, and it starts right here starts with our heart. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. There's a couple things I want, I, want to, I want to challenge you to spend time with God. This is what we're going to do as a church. There's four things. The first thing is participate in 21 days of prayer and fasting starting today. What's fasting? You're new to fasting. It's basically giving up something we love for something we love more. That could be sweets, could be social media, could be the news could be whatever, food of some kind. You're going to fast something so that when you go normally to get that thing that you love, you're going to stop and be like, God, I need you. Lord, i got to have your help. Lord, would you go before me? God, would you center my heart on you again? God, would you help me trust you? And man, the results are powerful. Never done a fast? I want to encourage you to jump in on this. It will change your life. Then as a church, Monday through Friday, for the next three weeks, we're going to be praying on Facebook. You can join in, jump, jump in with us. And, and if you're not able to join on, on social, just right where you are from noon for 15 minutes, pray. Pray with us and let's change the world in prayer. Let's change our hearts in prayer. Uh, and then we also have daily devotionals on our app. There's some daily devotionals. There's some Bible reading plans. I want to encourage you to get into the word of God. And then fourth, attend each week of the Reset Series. So you're here, week one, good job. You're watching, great. Let's, let's, let's take the beginning of this year and say, God, we're going to give this to you. We're going to dedicate this to you. We're going to center our hearts on you this year. And we're going to believe you for great things in our life. Amen? Would you stand with me? I think this is really cool, but Groundhog Day, the way Bill Murray's character gets out of the, the repeat, like doing the same day over and over again, is by doing right things, doing good, like changing himself and doing good things for people, and I think all of that's great, and that's Hollywood, and that's awesome. It's a kind of actually religion to a degree, but do you know what, do you know the way we get out of the Groundhog Day of our heart? It's not by doing good things. It's by realizing we could never do enough good things. It's by realizing that there's only one thing that could be done to redeem our heart, and it was the greatest thing done by the greatest one, Jesus Christ. When he died for our sins, took that upon us, overcame death, hell, and the grave, and was raised to life, and ultimately brought about a newness that you and I could never experience on our own a newness of the heart, and that's what he does. 
the groundhog day of the heart gets solved not by us trying harder, but by us worshiping better. And that's what I want us to do, just to dedicate our hearts and say, God, we trust in you. We trust in your hope. We trust this year. We're going to give 2021 to you. And we're going to believe you to do something great with it. So would, could we do that? Both campuses, would you just lift your hands right, right where you are as a dedication to the Lord and say, God, I trust you. God, we are dedicating this year to you. We are dedicating our hearts to you. We are dedicating our lives to you. Lord, we're dedicating our families, our finances, our time, our energy, our effort. God, we don't want to go through the motions. And Lord, we don't want to go through a difficult 2021 or a great 2021 and miss it on our hearts. So Lord, we pray that you would take every aspect of our lives. Lord, have truly have it all. We offer it to you and we say, God, we are going to be about your business, your work, your things, not us. This is not about us. This is about you. So, Lord, have it all. And, God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.